Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. Good morning. Especially welcome to everybody watching online. We're glad that you're with us and uh, uh, good to see you there today. Uh, welcome to everybody that's, that's here. Uh, you're probably all the people that came to the 930 service, uh, but time changed and it's really the 11 o'clock service. But we're glad you're here uh, either way. Uh, if you are a guest today in the chair right in front of you, there's one of these connection cards. I would encourage you to fill that out, and then when you leave, I'll be out in the rotunda there. Uh, just come up, give it to me, and introduce yourself. I'd love to meet you. Got to meet several people last week, and would love to have the opportunity to meet you as well. So just fill that out, and I'd love to see you uh, out in the rotunda. On the back is prayer requests, and that's for everyone uh, as well. Uh, well, we've been going through a sermon series here on Sunday morning called The Last Words of Christ. Uh, on the cross, there were seven different times that Jesus had sayings uh, on the cross, and we're looking at each one of those sayings. We're up to number three today, and number three is the most unusual of the seven last words that Jesus gave on the cross. And so it's over in John chapter 19, verse 25 through 27. John 19, 25 through 27. And we're going to look at that now and then talk about uh, why Jesus on the cross seems to interrupt it uh, for what we're going to see. Let's read that together now if we could. Now near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clophas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, he said, Here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Let's have a prayer. Dear Lord, we just thank you for your word. Help us to understand it and to see its truths. But Father, more than that, our prayer is that you'd help us then to begin to live those truths out. And in Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. What's well, a tough thing taking care of your family at any time? Uh, but as we've seen, as you go through it, you know, uh, for instance, when Dawn gets sick, uh, she wants me to check on her every once in a while, make sure everything's okay. When I'm sick, I don't want anybody near me. Close the door, turn off the lights, leave me alone. You know, that, that's kind of my philosophy when I'm sick. But taking care of family is always a bit of a challenge. Uh, there was a lady in, our, in a former church where I pastored. She had been the curator of a military museum, and she'd gotten dementia, and they'd put her in a nursing home. And her sister called me and said, you need to go to the nursing home. You need to talk to my sister about something that happened, and you need to meet with the director of the nursing home there. And I said, okay, uh, what happened? Well, because she'd been the curator uh, of a military museum and she was in lockdown in a nursing home, she thought she was in a POW camp and she was a prisoner. And so she had been taking uh, notes uh, for, for a couple of months. She was trying to find exactly what the combination was to get out of the unit and out in the parking lot. She began to take the schedule of when the orderlies came and went and when they met together. And then she began to have meetings with the other residents and told them, we're going to break out at such and such a time on this date. And then sure enough, when that time came, the orderlies went to their meeting. She went and punched the code in. The door opened. She noticed the door locked back. 
back. She jammed a chair into the door and said, now! And everybody began to rush out in the parking lot on walkers and strollers, and they were in wheelchairs and everything else. And so orderlies come running from everywhere as they're scattering throughout the parking lot. And when I got there, one of the orderlies who's a member of our church told me, he said, you would be surprised at how fast somebody can move on a walker. He said, it was unbelievable. And so they wanted me to talk, talk to this lady. And so I didn't know what to say except, man, that was one of the best plans I've ever seen in my, in my whole life. You know, kudos to you. You know, that was unbelievable. So taking care of family is never really as easy as we might think it is. On the cross, though, with a lot else going on, Jesus takes time to take care of his mom. Let's look into our scripture passage and see what's going on here. The first thing we see is this. You can't care for your personal family. Let me try again. If you can't care for your personal family, you can't care for God's family. If you can't care for your personal family, you can't care for God's family or for anyone else. Look at verse 26 and 27. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. So Jesus is on the cross. There's some important things going on here. Basically, the fate of humanity rests in what Jesus is doing at that very moment. Not only that, Jesus is suffering, he's in pain, people are mocking him, one of his best friends has just betrayed him, uh, the majority of the other disciples have fled and aren't even there, a whole lot is happening. Yet in the middle of it, Jesus looks down and he sees his mother. And poor Mary is sitting there and she is probably beside herself because nothing that is happening makes sense. You see, Mary's been living this for about 33 years. When she was a young teenage girl, the angel Gabriel appeared to her out of nowhere and told her that she's going to be the mother of the Messiah. And she said, how can I be a mother when I've never even been with a man? And he said, because God's spirit is going to overshadow you and a miraculous birth is going to take place. And so Mary gave birth to, to Jesus. It was that miracle virgin birth. And from that point on, she saw Jesus grow and mature, just different than other children. And for the last three years, she'd seen what Jesus had done. He had healed the people who were blind and lame. He'd raised people from the dead. He'd spoke words that nobody had ever heard or thought of before. And she knew that he was the Messiah with every fiber of her being. And yet here he was dying on the cross, suffering and dying right in front of her. And none of it probably made any sense at all. Grief, depression, guilt, questioning God, anger, just hurting and confused. And suddenly Jesus sees her and his attention leaves the salvation of the world and turns to his mother. And even though Mary didn't understand at this particular moment, all of this had been prophesied directly to her some 30 years earlier. When they were dedicating Jesus in the temple right after he was born, in Luke chapter 2, verses 34 and 35, Simeon comes up to them in the temple. He takes the baby Jesus out of Mary's hand. He looks at Mary, and this is what he says to her. Behold, this child is appointed for the rise and fall of many in Israel. He is a sign that will be spoken against, and the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And then looking at Mary, he said, and a sword will pierce your very soul as well. And that was coming to pass at that very moment. It was like somebody had taken a sword and jabbed it into Mary. And the grief and the pain and the hurt was all there and the confusion that came with that. 
So why does Jesus interrupt what is going on on the cross and he begin to concentrate on his mother? Of course, a quick lesson would be we need to love our mamas and all of that, but there's something even more going on here. And I think what Jesus is showing us is that if you can't take care of your personal family, you can't take care of God's family or anyone else in the world either. On the cross, dying for the sins of the world, Jesus takes time to interrupt what is happening and make sure that his mother is going to be cared for. Now, I know a lot of people have never learned this lesson of being able to take care and be involved and love and care for your, your personal family. I had a friend that told me a couple of years ago his whole life changed when he came home one time and his son was sitting there drawing a picture. And he said, what are you drawing? And he said, it's a picture of the family. And he goes, oh, neat. And he sat down next to his son. And he goes, well, who's in the picture? And he goes, well, that's mom, that's me, and that's my sister. And dad said, okay, well, where am I? Where's dad? And his son said, oh, well, you're at a meeting. And he said that cut through him like a knife. That suddenly his son had basically said to him, you're too busy for the family. You're not even the picture in the picture that I've been drawing. That's why I always tell the staff here at church that your family's always your number one concern. If your child is sick, take care of your child. If they have a ball game or a recital, go to that recital. I always went to Alyssa's concerts. I always went to all of Andrew's ball games. Uh, and, and it was just something that I felt was important. Uh, they're not going to be around forever. That's something you need to be doing. And I've always told staff that exact same thing. Take care of your family. Be there for your family. I learned this lesson early on when I was a pastor in Virginia. And uh, pastored a, a First Baptist church there right in this little town. And uh, uh, Easter Sunday was like the big Sunday. Everybody came to our church on Easter Sunday. It was packed out. And this was the first Easter I was going to be there. And that Friday afternoon, my mom had a massive heart attack in Louisville. And, uh, and I said, I'll get home as soon as I can. And uh, I happened to be at a ministerial alliance meeting, all the different churches uh, in, in the city. And until uh, so they had a prayer for me, I went home, I, I, I was talking to Dawn and everything, and about an hour later, there's a knock on the door, and all the churches are kind of in a little square there in the town, and the Methodist minister was standing at the door, and I answered the door, and this is how he greeted me. What are you doing here? Why aren't you in your car going to Louisville? And I said, well, you know, I've talked to my dad, and I think I'm going to wait uh, for, for 24 hours. As soon as the Easter service is over, I'm going to get in the car and leave. And he said let me give you a little advice here and let me tell you about myself he said did you know I wasn't always a Methodist minister I used to be a Southern Baptist pastor and the reason I'm a Methodist minister today is that I cared more about the church and what went on at church and the meetings at church than I did my personal family and so my wife took my kids and they left me and as you well know, that's the unpardonable sin among Southern Baptists, that if you ever get divorced, you can never have a ministry again. You can murder 50 people, and it's fine, but if you ever get divorced, that's the end of your ministry, which maybe is a different sermon that I need to preach it at some point <laughs> in time. Uh, but he said, so that basically changed my life at that point. He said, I'm going to give you some advice now and do what you want with it. Here's the advice. You're going to have a lot of Easter's. You're going to have a lot of churches. You're going to have one mom. You get in your car and you go to Louisville. So I did. Got in my car and went to Louisville. Never will forget that story that he told and that impression that it had upon me. And here is Jesus on the cross, the fate of all humanity in his hand. And he takes time to look at his mom and care for her. Making your family a priority is something Jesus did.
That brings us to the second thing that we see in our scripture. You have a responsibility to fulfill in your personal family that will never end. The responsibility you have to your family never ends, no matter who you are, how old you get, or what's going on in your life. Look down at verse 26 and 27 again. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. So here is Jesus. He's on the cross. He looks down. He sees mother, his mother Mary. She's, she's probably really upset. Uh, we're told that there's a, a, one of his disciples, the disciple that he loved, that's also there. Now, we, we're not directly told who that is. Most people take that to be the disciple John, the youngest of the disciples. John refers to himself that way in a couple uh, of, of his writings. And so it seems to have been the disciple John, the only one, that was at the cross that day. And seeing John there, maybe even with his arm around his mother, uh, Jesus says something to both of them. He looks at his mother and he says, Woman, here is your son. Now, that's a little bit different than the way it sounds in English. In English, it sounds like this. Woman, here's your son. It's not quite the way Jesus said it. Think of it this way. Dear woman. It was a, it was a term of great affection, great honor, great respect dear woman here's your son and then looking at john he said here is your mother you see the eldest child in a family was supposed to care for their parents when they got older and jesus was the eldest child in his family the problem was jesus wasn't going to be able to care for mary because in an hour or so he was going to literally be dead and and, and not be with them and he knew that now, Jesus had other brothers. None of them believed in him, and apparently none of them cared enough to even show up at the cross that day. Now, that would change later in their lives, but at this point, none of them are there. The only one that is there of all of Jesus' disciples is that young John, and John with his mother. And so Jesus basically says, John, take care of my mama. So here on the cross, Jesus is, is taking his responsibility as the eldest, and even as he's dying, making sure his responsibility in caring for his family is carried out through John. And it shows us that our responsibility to our family never ends. Now, sometimes if you're a parent, you think your responsibility ends the second your child graduates from high school. When they graduate, your responsibility is over. Uh, we had some people I went to high school with. There were three brothers. And each time when they would graduate, their dad would give them a set of luggage and he would tell them, you've got till school starts again in August to get out of the house and we're through. And basically that was it. Look, I, I put up with you for 18 years. You've got another two months to find a place and get a job and get out of here. Here's your luggage, get out. You know, and that, that was basically it at that, that particular point. You know, so his responsibility ended at graduation plus a couple of months and, and it was over. But we know that's not true. I want to take a little poll right here. If you have an adult child, have you ever worried about them when they were an adult? If so, raise your hand. What? They're adults and you still worry about them? Didn't you give them the luggage and get rid of them? What's the problem with that? You know, that never ends. Uh, somebody told me one time, they said, hey, you know what? I saw them at a restaurant. I said, what are you doing? They said, meeting my kids for supper. And they said, you know, I'm retired and on a pension, and my son makes five times more money than I ever did, but I guarantee you when they show up, they're going to expect Dad to pay for supper tonight, you know, because some things never end. You know, you pay for your kid's meal no matter what is going on. But uh, that responsibility, that care never ends. Now, as a parent, you've got to understand 
The relationship changes when your child becomes an adult. It becomes more of a trusted ally, a resource, but that care and that love is never going to end. And as a child, what you need to understand is that you have a responsibility in the family too. Your responsibility as the child isn't to have somebody take care of you your whole life. You know, that's not the responsibility for somebody to baby you and make sure you got everything you need no matter how old you are. You have a responsibility as well. And what often happens is uh, there comes a time in life where the children become the parents, where the parents can no longer take care of themselves and the children then become the parents. And that's a strange, weird dynamic shift that takes place and uh we're a lot of people on our staff are going through that uh right now in, in with their with their parents and that's very hard both on the parent and on the child that new dynamic that takes place i was reading an article recently about uh how how to do this if you're suddenly the child that's that's now becoming the caretaker and here were here was just four or five things suggestions they had the first was this don't treat your parent like a child patronize them or talk down to them no matter what's going on in their life, uh, no matter how clear their thinking may be, don't treat them like they're a child. Still treat them like they're your parent. Number two, really listen to them when they talk. Maybe it's not always going to make sense, but really listen to them. Work together as much as possible. And here's the one I like the best. Don't let your role as caretaker define your entire relationship. So yes, you're the caretaker, but that's not your relationship. You're still parent child you're the child they're the parent you've got to remember that even in the caretaker responsibility and then finally take care of yourself and get help so there is no time frame on ending as a family your personal family and your responsibility for your family always goes on jesus shows that even just hours before his death making sure that his mother was going to be cared for and that brings us to the last thing that we see in our scripture passage. Your church family is an essential part of your life and well-being. Your church family is an, initial part, uh, is an essential part of your life and well-being. Let's look at the whole thing again because seeing it in context really helps out here. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clophus, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. So there were several people with Jesus around the cross that day. They might not be the people you would normally have expected. None of the disciples were there except John, it seems. Uh, there, there wasn't any of his followers except a couple. Who was actually around the cross? Let's break it down. Well, two people around the cross were personal family members of Jesus. There was his mom, Mary, and there was his aunt, his aunt that was there. They were his mother's sister. Why were they there? Why was his mom and his aunt there? They were there because their family. They loved him. They were going to be there no matter what. Mom was going to be there when her son was going through something, no matter what was going on or how old he may be or how bad it may have been. Mary was going to be there. And Mary's sister was going to be with her no matter what, too. That was her nephew on the cross. That was her sister that was going there. And she was going to be there with him. So we've talked about personal family. But well, there were some other people there as well. There were three other people there at the cross that day. And they were members of Jesus' faith family that was there. There was Mary, the wife of Clophus. There was Mary Magdalene. And there was one of his disciples, most likely John, who was there. So he had his personal family and he had his faith family that was there. 
When Dawn and I uh, got engaged and she took me down to meet her family and, and everything because she wanted them to be so impressed with me, you know, and everything when, when we got there. And, uh, and, and I didn't have any, any grandparents growing up. I had a grandfather very close to him, but all my other grandparents either passed away when I was very young or, or a long time before I was even born. And uh, so we get to Dawn's and she's saying, this is my grandmother, this is my grandfather, this is my grandmother, this is my grandfather. And, and I said, man, how many grandparents do you have and do we get Christmas presents from all these people? You know, because that was the important thing that I wanted to know. You're entering into a new family. You know, do they keep up their end of the bargain? Do they do they give Christmas presents? You know, or something like or something like that. And so suddenly I had this whole new family. Well, when you commit your life to Jesus, you gain a whole new family. And really, Jesus talks about it the whole way. When Jesus prayed, he prayed to Abba, his Father in heaven. Uh, Jesus talked about the fact that we were brothers and sisters in Christ, and uh, the church was called the family of God. And so this family metaphor is strong throughout Jesus' teaching and throughout the New Testament. God never meant for you to go through this life alone. God meant for you to have a church family that loved you and cared for you and walked through life with you. You're supposed to work, learn, love, and care in a church family, to be an active part of a church family. I've seen that in my own life. In my own life, I've seen the church step in and love and care for me over and over again. They've come to the hospital when I've been in the hospital. They've been there during crises. When my dad passed away, I remember everybody standing down front and praying for me in the middle of a, a morning worship service uh, that was just suddenly they got up and they said, hey, we want to pray for you uh, before you preach. Uh, I've had calls and cards and visits and meals and prayers. People have watched our kids, mowed our grass, cleaned our house, cleaned the bathrooms, which, by the way, you can still do anytime you want. Come on over and do that. No invitation necessary. But I've seen the, the love of a church family that people have given uh, to me and Dawn in our ministry. And I've seen it given to other people as well. Uh, when I used to pastor Buckner Baptist Church back when I was in seminary, uh, there was a, a family, there was a storm came by, the roof was torn off the house. It was, a, it was just kind of a small hut house, just two rooms. The roof had been torn off. There were four people, mom, two kids, and a dad living in the house. The mom and two kids came to church. The dad did not, wanted nothing to do with church. He was, he was an alcoholic. He was very, uh, didn't like the church at all. And so a day after the storm, all these guys from church come, and they start putting a new roof on the house. And, uh, you know, I was there. I was helping. Uh, you know, I was, like, handing people water bottles and, and uh, eating sandwiches and things like that, talking to people. I was doing everything I could to help out. And uh, the, the guy who owned the house, the dad, he was standing there, and he just kept drinking uh, out of his whiskey bottle the whole time, and he seemed really irritated that we were there. And then finally, about halfway through the putting on the roof, he walked up to me, and he was crying. And I said, are you okay, sir? And he said, no, I'm not okay. Why are you doing this? I said, uh, because you needed a roof on the house? I mean, and he said, no, no, why would people who have never met me come to my house, spend their own money, and work an entire day to put a roof on my house? It is insane. Why would anybody do something like that? And there were a couple guys walking by. They were about to put some truss, a truss up on the roof. And when they got there, one of them turned around and said, because we're family. Then he climbed up on the roof. 
And I thought that was something I will never forget. Why are we doing it? Because we're family. And that's what the church is supposed to be, a family that loves and cares and looks out for one another. But let me give you a word of caution. The church is not a perfect family. And you don't have a perfect family at home either. Let me add, let's do another poll question. We did one earlier. Here's another poll question for you. Anybody here ever have a, somebody in your family that irritated you? Anybody sitting next to somebody right now in your family <laughs> that has irritated you? Thank you. Thank you, Ashley, for pointing at Tyler. I appreciate, appreciate that. So, you know, it was, it was all, the, all the people going, <laughs> they're right there. I could ask anybody being irritated right now by somebody right there, but we won't ask that one. We'll let, we'll let that one slide. You don't have a perfect family. There's sometimes you're aggravated with your family. Sometimes you don't get along very well with them. Uh, sometimes you think they're crazy. You ever thought somebody in your family was crazy? Uh, you, know, uh, you know, they probably are, uh, but you are too, all of that. You don't have the perfect family. And the church isn't a perfect family for this reason. The church is made up of people, and people are imperfect sinners. And so the church isn't always going to be a perfect family. Sometimes the church will irritate you. Sometimes people in the church will let you down. Sometimes people in the church will not do what they were supposed to do, and they will hurt you, just like every other family that you're going to be involved with. But there's no other place where you can come and be a part of what God put together as his family. And so what we need to understand is we're imperfect, but we need to be there for one another. Now, I'll tell you a little secret, something I found out, and that's this. If you really want to be involved and have a church family care for you the way that they should, then you've got to care for other people. When you start caring and getting involved and knowing people and getting in a small group and people know who you are and you love and care for them, then you're more likely to get love and care back. It's just part of the game. It's the way it's played. And so if all you ever do is show up on Sunday morning, you don't know anybody, you just show up and leave, you're probably not going to have a caring family that you really want and need uh, because it's kind of a give and take there. And so we need to be involved. We need to do all that we can uh, to really love and care for the people in our church. You know, uh, when I was in Virginia, uh, there was a, a lady in the nursing home there, and uh, I would go see her, and she always thought that she was at the Greenbrier. Now, the Greenbrier's kind of a luxury resort that was just an hour or two from where we lived. Uh, it's where uh, John Kennedy and Jackie O honeymooned as a matter of fact. And all she knew was that she was away from home and they brought her meals and cleaned her room and she was at the Greenbrier, you know, is what she thought. And so uh, I would stop in and she would say, why, Brother Chip, what are you doing here? And I'd say, I uh, just thought I'd come by and see you. And she goes, well, I'm going to play some bridge and I think the guys are going to play golf and then we'll get together at supper. You want to meet us at supper? And I'd say, why not? I'll see you at supper. And then her daughter came by and she said, I don't know what to do with mom. She thinks she's at the Greenbrier. And I said, yeah, she does that with me too. And she goes, well, what do you do? And I said, I talked to her about the Greenbrier. I'd rather be there than a nursing home. So we just talk about the Greenbrier. You know, let her be happy. I don't, I don't know the issue there. And so the next time I saw her at church, she said, I've been acting like I'm at the Greenbrier and mom is the happiest I've seen her in a long time. And I said, it's, it's, a, it's amazing how that goes. So here on the cross, with the fate of humanity in his hands, Jesus takes a time out. And he says, 
I'm going to care for my mom. And so we need to understand that caring for our personal family and being involved in church family is one of the best things that we will ever do, and it's part of God's plan for us. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us a church family. And uh, Lord, help us to be uh, the kind of members of both our personal and church family that we need to be. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.